the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being here with us. We thank you, Lord, that you brought us here safely. We pray that you get us home safely. Anoint my special speaker, Greg Maxwell, myself, and Mark, the camera person. Lord, I pray that we would be in the center of your will today, speaking about things that you would call us to speak on. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, we're still in Psalm 68. As you recall, we've read parts of it because it's a long psalm. We are going to start out in verse 20. Again, it's a psalm that David wrote. And we're going to go 20 all the way to 35. So, Lord, we give, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And we ask that you would give us understanding of your word. So we're starting in verse 20. Here it goes. He that is our God is God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. But God shall wound the head of the enemy of his enemies and the hairy scalp of such and one as goeth on still goeth on still in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring again from Bashan, I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea, that thy foot may be dipped in the blood of thine enemies and the tongue of the dogs in the same. They have seen thy goings, O God, even the goings of my God, my king, in the sanctuary. The sinners, I'm sorry, the singers went forth before the players on instruments followed after followed after among them were the damsels playing their timbrels bless ye god in the congregations even the lord from the fountain of israel there is little benjamin with their ruler the princess of judah and their council the princess of zebulun and the princess of naphtali thy god hath commanded this thy strength strengthen O god that which has wrought for us because of thy temple in, at Jerusalem. Shall kings bring presents unto thee? Re, rebuke the company of spearmen, the multitude of the bulls, with the calves of the people, until every one submit himself with pieces of silver. Scatter thy thou thy, the people that delight in war. Princes shall come out of Egypt. Ethiopia shall soon stretch out their hands unto God. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. Sing, O praises, unto the Lord, Selah. To him that rideth upon the heavens of heavens, which were of old, lo, he hath, he doth send out his voice, with a mighty voice. Ascribe ye strength unto God. His excellency is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. O God, thou art terrible out of out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. Thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that you would continue to give us understanding of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I would like to welcome On the Road with Jesus to Craig Maxwell. We are going to be covering another subject, another tough subject. And this time, um, we're, we're going to cover Islam. Right. Uh, I need to get here an overview. I want to remind you that um, one of the first times we met, I believe we met, I, I think we, we knew each other already, um, maybe a couple of months prior to this, maybe even up to six months. But I remember we went to this church somewhere here in Pomona, and I forgot the name of the church, but you dressed up like a Muslim. Mm-hmm. 
And nobody knew that you were going to do this, Greg, but you dressed up like a Muslim and you came kind of walking down the aisle, um, not shouting, but talking over a speaker, talking about how you disagreed with this and disagreed with that. And people were a little bit scared. Do you remember the incident? Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Now, somebody must have put, up, put you up to that. Yeah, it was a, a gentleman named George Saeed who, uh, he has a ministry called Muslims, and I was part of it, and so were you. We're still yeah. part of it, and uh, I was going to be one of their speakers there, and uh, the, the pastor knew what we were going to do. Oh, oh yeah, but yeah, he did. But none of the deacons or, or anybody knew, and George knew too. We kind of staged it where we went ahead and talked, and I would come in and uh, you know have a seat, but like I was a Muslim, you know, do the Muslim prayer and everything like that. It's Salad. Had my prayer rug out, you know, I did it in the sanctuary of the church all the way over to the side. So people kind of were looking at me and stuff. So, and, and people were actually frightened. Um, I, and that was really good. I mean, you, you did a great yeah. job, but okay. So we've been in the Muslim ministry together for, I, I want to say over 15 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. And so welcome <clears throat> again. Thank you. And tell us a little bit about, you know, how Islam started. Uh, for yeah. most of the people out there, they know that, um, Muhammad was the prophet yeah. there. Uh, but go ahead and tell us, um, how it started, how the Quran was written and, yeah. and the whole thing about Islam. Well, in the seventh, in, in the seventh century, Muhammad went to go ahead and meditate in Mecca. So when he went to meditate, uh, he, he went to a cave and in Surah 90, Surah means chapters in the Quran, Surah 96 1, uh, he, uh, said that the angel Jabril or Gabriel went ahead and appeared to him, told them, uh, Ekara, kept on saying, recite, go ahead and read, read, read in the name of Allah who makes man out of a cloud of blood. So he said, I couldn't read. And the angel kept on telling him to go ahead and read, go ahead and read. So and recite, recite. So the angel went ahead and appeared to uh, Muhammad. Muhammad went ahead and recited the Quran. And uh, he was the first Muslim. You know, he was... Uh, in fact, in uh, the life of Muhammad by Ibn Ishaq, the book I got right here, uh, he uh, it said that the angel was choking him and that uh, he was terrified. In fact, the book says that Muhammad went ahead and went to a cave to go ahead and, uh, excuse me, he went to a cliff to go ahead and drop off page 105 through 107. And that he was going to commit suicide and the angel blocked him, blocked him from every way from doing it. So he came home to his wife, Khadidra, uh, and then her uncle was there. And he told his experience that he was demon possessed and stuff like that. And she had him do this test where she unrobed. He said on her left knee, said in her right knee, there was no appearance of, uh, uh, of any manifestation. So alhamdulillah. And, uh, you know, she accepted Islam as, the uncle went ahead and accepted Islam, and that was the origin of Islam went ahead and started. It was Allah that went ahead and gave uh, revelations to to the angel Gabriel to go ahead and have Muhammad go ahead and recite. Okay. Right. So that's the Quran. Right. Right. And, and so um, we, we also know that at the beginning of the Quran, it started out as um, a fairly peaceful religion. Yes. And then it gets a little more violent towards mm -hmm. the end. So talk, talk to us about that. Yeah, Muhammad uh, wanted to win the favor of the people of Mecca. So he would recite the Quran, recite poetry. And uh, the, uh, the Meccans were pagans. They had the Kaaba. They, they had 360 statues. Uh, they, they were different deities and gods that they went ahead and worshipped. And they didn't accept Muhammad, didn't accept his message, didn't accept his revelations. So they went ahead and basically drove Muhammad out. And so when they drove Muhammad out, Muhammad went ahead and went to Medina. And they, he was there for a period of time. And then he went with an army, basically. He came into Mecca after a long period of time. And uh, he was able to go ahead and basically uh, conquer. You know, people went ahead. You know, if you didn't accept them, then, you know, you, you, know, you could be uh, killed. So the, the Meccans, you know, some of them accepted him, some of them didn't. But the majority went ahead and accepted him as a, as a Rasul or, you know, as a messenger, as a prophet of Allah. So, okay. So in the, the Medinan, excuse me, the Medinan scriptures 
uh, first in the Meccan scriptures, Muhammad was uh, was a statesman. The Medinan scriptures have him more as a soldier and warrior in, in the later series. Okay. Okay. So we also know that um, that most people know that the Quran is their holy book. Yes. And also there's the Hadiths, mm-hmm. and there's several books, mm-hmm. um, several volumes of books, mm-hmm. um, including different chapters in every book, yes. of course. Um, and so tell us a little bit about the difference between what the Quran is versus what the um, well, Hadiths are. The, the Quran is, uh, their revelations which are given again from uh, Allah to uh, the angel Jibril and given to, to Muhammad. So their revelations that supposedly originated with Allah given to Muhammad. The Hadith and the top two are Sahida, which means that it's just authentic, Sahida Buhari and Sahid Muslim and there's uh, three other traditions or multiple volumes are the sayings and doings of Things that Muhammad did, you know, his prayer life. It records uh, his marriages, so it records Islamic history, especially with Muhammad. So in Surah thirty-three twenty-one, anything that Muhammad did, because he, he's an example for all mankind. So the Hadith heighten and talk about the different things that Muhammad went ahead and did, you know, like his prayers and stuff. And the Shahada is in there. Uh, the prayer times are in there. Neither of those are inside the. The Quran, but they're in the, uh, the Hadith. So when you're talking about prayer time, um, the um, Muslims pray five times a day. Yes. And they usually have to face Mecca. Yes. Which is their face. holy um, mm. land. Yes. And of course, um, we know that the Quran supposedly was written in Arabic, and that's the acceptable language. Yeah. For mm-hmm. for the for the Muslims, is mm-hmm. that right? Yes, Quaishi and and Allah spoke Arabic. Uh, Adam and Eve spoke Arabic. So the, the prayers for the Muslims have to go ahead and be Arabic, spoken in Arabic. And you have the majority of Muslims who don't speak Arabic, but the prayers, the five prayers, have to go ahead and be given in Arabic. Okay. Now um, the other thing about that is there's five prayers a day, and then there's pillars that most Muslims mm-hmm. want to follow throughout yes. their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And there's there's certain there's uh, there's those pillars that yes. have to be accomplished, mm-hmm. um, i.e. uh Ramadan every year. Yes. Um so go ahead and name the pillars that well that, uh, the most important pillar is uh the Shahada, there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. Uh, another one is, uh, surrogate or where the, the Muslims go ahead. I'm sorry, alms where the Muslims go ahead and pay alms, uh, where the Muslims go ahead and take a pilgrimage to Hajj. It's called Hajj, uh, where they go ahead and say their five prayers. So one of the most important pillars there of Islam. And in order to go ahead and reach, uh, Jannah, they have to go ahead, uh, Make sure they fulfill all five of the pillars. Yes. Okay, so Jenna is heaven, or, yes. or, or, or I think they even call it paradise. Yes. And so, um, so talk about the ways you can get to Jenna, because I know that Muslims believe in the scales. So you can get to heaven if your good deeds um, surpass your bad deeds, but. I believe it's either in the Hadith or the Quran that even even Muhammad didn't know whether he was going to make it to heaven or not. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And um, um, because even if you have more good deeds than you do have bad deeds, Allah can just simply decide that he doesn't want you in heaven. Yes. Well, you know, they, uh, Allah is transcendent and so far away. So the Muslims, their relationship with Allah is that he's a, a master and they're a slave. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're talking about the recording angels. And uh, you have what's called Vatika, where the angels will, you have one angel on your right hand side. It's going to record all your good deeds. 
And on your left-hand side, you'll have an angel report your bad deeds. For every good deed that you do, it eliminates uh, 10 bad deeds. So the Muslims want to go ahead and continue to go ahead and do the, the good deeds to go ahead and eliminate the bad deeds. Exactly. So um, there is one sure way that you can make it to, to, to heaven or Jenna or paradise, and that's? That's the sixth pillar where you go ahead. It's in Sahid al-Bahari where you, uh, Muhammad mentioned about being a, a martyr, and you're promised 72 virgins, and you're promised rivers of wine. And uh, you're, you're guaranteed being a martyr. I wanted to just elaborate a little bit on the statement that you made. It's in, it's in uh, Sahid al-Bahari. And it's also in Surah 46.9, where Muhammad did not know on the day of judgment whether he's going to go go to heaven. He was not certain. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, there's another uh, uh, Sahid al-Bahari where uh, Muhammad gathered all of his kinfolks. And with tears in his eyes, he told them that he could save none of his kinfolks from uh, on the day of judgment or, or even save them from hell. He looked at his favorite daughter, Fatima, who he really loved, and he had tears in his eyes. And he told her that you have to save yourself from the fires of hell. I can't do that for you. Wow. Now, um, there's one other thing I want you to cover, and that is um, um, plural marriages. It, because it's it's nothing that we see here in the United States mm-hmm. because the average Muslim person has one wife. Mm-hmm. But um, in other places, they do have plural marriages. Yes. And, and we do know that um, Muhammad had more than one wife. Yeah, he had 12 wives, but that was a privilege that he had. Uh, he uh, had uh, one wife who was uh, six years old. I'm going to ask you to just speak up just a little sure. bit louder. Muhammad had uh, 12 wives. He had one wife named Aisha. He married her at six years old. He consummated or had sex with her at nine years old. And that's in Sahid al-Bahari. That's in Sahid Muslim. That's also in the divine fatwas. It's in there. I have the books right here in front of me. And uh, I can give you the references if there's any Muslims who don't believe that. But in Surah 4.3, uh, Allah allowed Muslims to go ahead and have three wives. I meant four wives. Okay. Surah uh, chapter 4, verse 3. Okay. Um, also, we knew that we know um, just from living here now, a lot of Muslims um, celebrate Ramadan once a year. And yes. of course, that date mm-hmm. changes yeah. from year to year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is something that most Muslims, I'm going to say that um, even even a nominal Muslim oftentimes will celebrate Ramadan, yes. Ramadan. And that's the fasting. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I know that they uh, abstain from eating and uh, f- fasting. Uh, you know, they from from the morning to sundown, and it's something that they go ahead and do for a month, and it's a holy holiday that you have 1.6 billion Muslims go ahead and celebrate. So okay, now we also know that most Muslims. Um, I've been to many mosques like you have, mm-hmm. and have witnessed to Muslims. Yes. Over the years, mm-hmm. um, mostly on Fridays, we go to the mosque and yes. share um, share class with Islam. Also, I, I would like to um, uh, have you talk about their Friday um, prayer day. Yeah, that's their uh, their prayers that they go ahead and do on Friday. It's kind of their church day, and you know it's a ummah, it's a community where they all get, get together and they they have their prayers that they go ahead and. Uh, you know, their prescribed prayers that they go ahead and do as a, a corporate entity. And, uh, and it's, you know, the uh, Iman first will go ahead and give a message and then they'll go ahead and do their prayer. That prayer. Now, so they do pray five times a day. Yes. Um, but Friday is their holy day. Yes. And it, um, they usually, um, and you know, when you're in an Islamic country, I don't know if you've ever gone to one, but the prayer, um, the call to prayer goes out from, you know, every, every five times a day, yes. reminding the, the average Muslim there to, you know, get on their prayer, prayer rug and start praying. Um, but Friday being their special day, um, they, 
they normally don't want to talk to women. Um, they've just come out of the the mosque, but they're they much easier. I mean, they're 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 more willing to speak to a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a lot of us that go that are women, mm-hmm. and and some of us have an easier time than we think we would. Mm-hmm. But tell us about going to the mosque and your experiences of going to the mosque and sharing Christ with, with them. What kinds of things would you recommend doing? I know we start out in prayer. Yes. Um, so we want to cover ourselves in mm-hmm. prayer and let the Holy Spirit lead mm-hmm. us. But um, other than that, what's the next thing? Well, uh, first of all, uh, one thing that I learned, though, is you have to remember that the, the Muslims are a person like us. They're, they're yes. reaching, they're searching for God. They have families. They work hard. And so they're reaching, they're groping, uh, you know, they, they want to please Allah. They want to go ahead and please God. So they say their prayers in Arabic. Uh, so when we go to the mosque, we're not going there to protest or get angry with the Muslims. We're going there. We uh, have Bibles that we go ahead and offer them. We have uh, CDs. We have uh, DVDs, Jesus DVDs. And we're obeying the Great Commission to go ahead and share share Christ. Because if the blood of Christ is good enough for us as Christians, then it's equally as good for the Muslims. Because the Muslims have no no promise of, of, of paradise or heaven. No matter how many prayers that they go ahead and do, they just won't know. Because Allah is so transcendent and so far away. So, you know, they're slaves to uh, Allah. So we want to go ahead and we, we share with them and we want to share Christ and Christ's love. Yes. Um, now, I, I, I've i talked to a lot of Muslims over the years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I find is that they're they're very sincere about their religion. They're very sincere and try very hard to please God. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you mentioned they're, they're searching for God. Yes. And so um, they're hungry for the Lord. Yes. I wouldn't say they're open to the gospel, but they're mm-hmm. hungry for God. And um, so it's an opportunity to um, share. to share with them. Mm-hmm. Now, I know for Mark and I, mm-hmm. when we uh, go into the marketplace or we're in the supermarket or wherever mm-hmm. we go, one of the things that we love doing is saying hello to them mm-hmm. or even smiling at them mm-hmm. because... Um, I remember when we invited George to live at our house, mm-hmm. who is, um, he's, he's Sudanese, but mm-hmm. um, people think he's Arabic, but he's yes. not. Um, he said to us, you're the first person that's ever American, that's ever invited me into your home. Mm-hmm. Now, we actually invited him to move in because mm-hmm. his living situation was yeah. not um, good at the time. But I said, no, George, you, you're, you're not talking about inviting. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody's invited you for dinner or something like that. And he said, no, not one American person has ever invited me to wow. mm-hmm. And so just to open your eyes and, and be aware mm-hmm. that Muslim people live here, um, it's really a good idea to connect with them, either with a yes. smile, mm-hmm. um, salam alaikum, mm-hmm. a greeting. Mm-hmm. I know that most of the time when you greet them in Arabic, whether they speak Arabic or not, mm-hmm. the fact that they're Muslim, they know what that means. Yes. And they're they're much more open mm-hmm. to to sharing to mm-hmm. listening to something mm-hmm. that you have to say mm-hmm. to them. So tell us about one of your experiences as you've gone to the mosque that was really positive right. and somebody that's really opened up and shared. Right. Uh, well, with you. let me tell you about before I was with uh, Ministry to Muslims about thirty five years ago. I went to New York and just tons of immigrants from all the Middle East, all over the world. Mm-hmm. I was going out with a, a ministry to share with the Muslims. The Muslims are very nice to me. Uh, they would invite me into their home. Uh, you take our shoes off. Uh, you know, we would greet them with our right hand. Uh, uh, I would never go ahead and say hello to their wives or, or you know, their ch- female children because we were taught that, you know, just the customs and stuff. Or, you know, if, if the wife would ask me a question, I would ask the, the husband, is, is it okay for me to go ahead and respond? So I wanted to be sensitive. And I'm the same way at the mosque today. And uh, the Muslims were very nice. They were very open to dialogue and talking. And 
uh, they love to talk. <laughs> but anyway, in regards to your question with the mosque, uh, I've talked to so many Muslims and went to so many different mosques around the country and, uh, you know, especially here throughout Southern California. Uh, I can, I'll tell you, I, I went to Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, I was able to go ahead and ask a Muslim, what do I need to go ahead and do then? You're having me went ahead explain. And then uh, I was able to go ahead and share a tract from Dr. Cynthia called The uh, the Way of the Prophets. And I shared that with the guy's name. He was about 18, 19, was named Abraham. And I shared with him the gospel that, that the Bible went ahead and mentioned. At first, he didn't trust the Bible. And I showed him from the Quran, Surah 3.3, that Allah went ahead and inspired the uh, Torah. He went ahead and inspired uh that in jail he inspired the Bible. Uh, Surah ten sixty four eighteen twenty seven five one sixteen. Allah says that His words or His revelations can't be corrupt, and so His revelations are the Bible. And then uh, Surah ten ninety four and ninety five. Uh, Muhammad had questions, and so Allah told him to go to the people in their book, go to the Bible, and judge by the Bible. In books. So I went ahead and was able to share that with him. I said, the Bible can't be corrupt because why would Allah have the Prophet Muhammad go to a corrupt book and judgment? And so from there, I went ahead and shared with him the gospel. Uh, after sharing with him the gospel, uh, he, I told him, would you like to accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior? And he said, yes. And so my teammate and myself, we went ahead and prayed with him. And, the, and there was a pastor there. So we had him hook up with the pastor and stuff. So, that you know, you don't get that hardly ever. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the kid either. And I was able to go ahead and uh, share with him. But I have so many different experiences. There's a lot of, you know, sharing with the Muslims. Uh, the majority are positive. I had some that are negative, you know, but the majority are positive. So Yeah, the majority of mine were positive too, yeah. although, as you say, yeah. there's a certain number of negative items. Yeah. Uh, up to them throwing things at you and things like that, but actually those are rare. Yes, yeah, very. Um, and mm-hmm. and even as we've knocked on doors in Dearborn, um, in different neighborhoods, mm-hmm. you know, in Dearborn, it's um, the 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 neighborhoods. Even though they're all, most of them are um, are are Muslim neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. They're they're separated by where they're from. Yes. So you might have a Somali neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You might have, mm-hmm. say, um, a Sudanese neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You might have a uh, a Syrian neighborhood. Yes. They're 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 divided by where they come from. But my experience um, while we were in Dearborn was even knocking on doors there. People are pleasant. They'll listen yes. to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. They 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 may even invite you in for tea. Yes, they're always surprised that you're knocking on their door mm-hmm. and sh- wanting to share Christ with them. Um, and they a lot of them have questions. Has that been your experience too? Yes, they have questions, and and they they'll want to share Islam too, but they have questions. And one misconception is we can't label all Muslims as terrorists. Uh, yes, the Quran in Syria 9.5 and 929 uh, says to go ahead and kill the infidel in the battle against him and make him pay the, uh, the, the tax and stuff. But we're lucky here, especially in the United States, that the Muslims are not obeying Muhammad, who planned 81 wars, and he led 27. That's in Sahid al-Bahar, as us read it. Or uh, that the Muslims aren't trying to go ahead and do jihad here, but they're peaceful, though, and they're willing to go ahead and talk, you know, and uh, with us and and share with us. And as we go ahead and share and we reason and stuff like that, and I'd always like to go ahead and ask them questions, and then I go ahead and listen to them, and then uh, we exchange ideas from there. Now, um, I don't want to say that just because we're in America, there has been no terrorist acts yes. here. I mean, after all, we did we, we do want to remember 9-11 yes. and and the Sandra amount of people Dino. that have yes. died and perished mm-hmm. in those 
two towers. Mm. Also, there have been numerous um, uh, people right here in um, Ontario, I believe it is. San Bernardino. San Bernardino, mm -hmm. uh, where a couple um, uh, shot up a bunch of people yeah. and lost so people. So I, I don't want to eliminate those things, but they're not as common as you would think they are because all you hear about is, um, you know, the violence that happens, yes. especially in foreign <coughs> countries. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, ISIS, you know, chopped up a lot of Americans yes. as well as other foreign um, mm -hmm. foreigners um, in different parts of the country, in, you know, foreign countries. But our experience has not been that. Well, you know, I had one time where I was at a mosque and the, the imam, the equivalent to like a, a head pastor came out. He was very upset with me, with us being in front of the mosque. And so he had like about eight people with him. So they surrounded me. He started yelling at me and screaming, how dare you do this? So I listened to him. And then when he was done, I just asked a simple question. Uh, I just said, you just came out of the mosque. You just came out of prayer to Allah. How come you're treated this way? I said, we're here just because we love you, we're concerned, and we just want to share Christ with you and give you a gift the, uh, in jail and then uh, uh, a piece of literature, you know, about Jesus and about his life and stuff like that. So, Okay. Now, um, I noticed that you have probably about 12 books laying on your coffee table. Yes. Is there a book there that you'd like to talk about? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. All righty. Uh, I have the Quran right here. I have several uh, Qurans right here. And I'm going to use Yusuf Ali. I have uh, Dr. Musha Khan's also. But uh, one of the questions that I like to ask the Muslims, if you want to learn how to go ahead and share uh, uh, the gospel and salvation, I like to ask the Muslims, tell me what I need to do to enter Jannah. What do I need to go ahead and do to enter heaven? And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to write down what you tell me. So, you know, they'll tell me, I had one tell me, you have to be a good Muslim. I said, are you a good Muslim? And he said, yes. So I said, that means you're going to heaven. And he kind of smiled. So then they'll give me the pillars. They'll tell me about, uh, uh, you know, the different pillars about the Shahada, the Hajj, uh, you know, the prayer times, uh, the alms and stuff like that. And I've asked many of them when they tell me that, have you done all that? Well, I've done all this except the Hajj. I said, when you do the Hajj, are you guaranteed that you're going to go to heaven? And the answer is always no. I had one tell me yes. I said, oh, wow, that's kind of unusual that you're going to go to heaven. And, you know, I have Sahid al-Bahari where Muhammad didn't know on the day of judgment if he was going to go to heaven. And Surah uh, 46, 9, he didn't know if he was going to go to heaven. So why are you going to go to heaven? And Muhammad's not going to, he doesn't know. How are you so certain? And Muhammad's not certain. So, uh, I've had it where uh, I shared with the Muslims uh, some uh, a scripture, a surah of the Quran. It's surah 37, and it's 102 through 105, and that's the vision of Abraham. And my Quran just have, has tabs, and I don't write in the Quran or anything like that. So no, I do read the Quran. They don't let, you know, that's one thing about the Muslims. Yeah. They put their Quran in the highest place that they can yes. put it in the house mm -hmm. because they want to give the Quran a very prominent, mm -hmm. high, lofty mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. And they don't write in their Quran because it would be um, against uh, what Allah would want. Yeah, it's sacrilegious. They would go ahead and say. And, uh, but as uh, many of us as Christians, some of us you know we will write in our Bible or you know put a little note or or right. highlight it or something like that. But they don't go ahead and do that at all. So. Um, so you're doing the same thing, I see. You yeah, I just put tabs. Yeah, there. I put tabs in there. So uh, what I do is I have them go ahead and I won't read it though, but I have them go to the vision of of Abraham in Surah 37, 102 through uh, 10. Seven. So I'll just paraphrase it and I have them explain it. And I just listen to them. So it's where Abraham, where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. Some of them believe it's Ishmael. It doesn't mention it's Ishmael, but I don't get caught up in who, who the son is. I want to stay focused. So anyway, in that account, 
It's a vision. And Allah goes ahead and tells Abraham to go to the mountain, put your son on the black stone, cut his juggler vein and go ahead and sacrifice him. So Muhammad is to test Muhammad's faith. Excuse me, to test Abraham's faith. So Abraham brings his son up there, puts him in the vision, puts him on the black stone to go ahead and sacrifice him. And just when he's getting ready to go ahead and cut his juggler vein, Allah calls out to him in Surah 104 and says, you have fulfilled the vision and he stops him. So, uh, and then it mentions Fadi, which is an Arabic word. It mentions like it's a tremendous sacrifice or ransom. So I asked the Muslims after they explained it to me, I said, did Allah go ahead, excuse me, did uh, Abraham go ahead and pass Allah's test? And they tell me, yes, he passed the test. I said, did his son pass the they said yes. So I said they both were obedient to uh, God, to Allah. And I use Allah, I just mean God. They're obedient to God. So uh, I go ahead and said, if they're obedient to God, that should be the end. But I said in the Quran, in Arabic, it says that Allah, that Allah went ahead and sent the lamb down as a tremendous ransom or sacrifice. I said, what was the need of sending the lamb down? If they both went ahead and passed the test, they said, well, it's a feast. I says, well, it doesn't mention him eating there, but, it, but, but Allah sent the lamb down. And I said, it was not Abraham's lamb. It was Allah's lamb because it was perfect and it had no blemish. But what was the reason? I said, you're still not answering my question. And they never had an answer. And I said, I can tell you the answer. I said, I'm going to take you to the Torah and, and, uh, Leviticus 17.11, uh, Moses said, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So I said it was to go ahead and pay for sin. And that started with Adam, and it went all the way down with all the prophets. That was the message that they went ahead and gave. Was uh, In fact, you had the example with Moses where they went ahead and Passover, where they put the lamb's blood over the doorpost and stuff. And then the angel of death went ahead and passed. But anyway, going back, I tell him that Allah went ahead and he sent the second lamb down. And Yaniya, John the Baptist, in John one twenty nine, he said this in the Injil. And I have the Muslims go ahead and read it. Now, Injil is the Holy Bible. Yes. Our Holy Bible. Yes. Our Holy Book. Thank you. And John one twenty nine, John, who was a prophet, John the Baptist, was baptizing at the River Jordan. And when he seen Jesus, he said this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Allah went ahead. It was his lamb. He sent down a second lamb. And that lamb was Jesus to pay for the sins of the world. And I have Muslims who disagree with me, but I said, let me tell you a story. And I'm not actually to believe what I believe, but let me tell you a story. Uh, there was a king and everyone loved the king. The king was noble. He was just and he was fair, but all his laws had to go ahead and be followed on the right hand. I mean, on the left hand and on the right hand, who was merciful and compassionate. There was all types of people rolling in his kingdom. There was Asian, there was black, there was white, there was Arabic. There was Latino. There was all types of people. Everyone loved the king. But the king's laws had to be followed. But yet his compassion and merciful. There was a, uh, so I'm telling the story to the Muslims. I said, my story will take two minutes. And I said that uh, there was a famine one day in the land. So the king was only giving out a little bit of food, a little bit of food, a little bit of food. And uh, someone went in the greenhouse and they took half the more than half the food. They told the king, the king was so angry when his men had told him, he said, go find that criminal, go find that crook. And when you find that crook, I want them tied to the whipping pole and they're going to go ahead and receive 50 lashes. Go out and find them. So his men look uh, for a month. And so when they come back, after a month, they told the king, we all know who did it. So I told the Muslims, my story's halfway over. So I'm like, keep their attention. My story's halfway over. But I said, guess what happened the next month? 
He said, well, what? I said, someone to give him more food. And they tell the king, and the king's so mad because someone's a thief, and they're stealing from his people, that the king went ahead and said, I'm doubling the punishment to a hundred lashes. So he sends his men out, and after a month, Roly, they tell the king, we don't know who did it. So my story's 75% over. And then I tell the Muslim, guess what happened the next one? More food was taken. I said, no, no more food was taken. I said, they caught the culprit. And I asked the Muslims, guess who it was? And I always get the king. I said, no, it can't be the king. He's noble, just, and fair. He'd be a corrupt king. It wasn't the king. I said, it was his mother. Now he had a moral dilemma. What do you think he did? Oh, he, we all, we love our mother. I said, yeah, we all love our mother, but. I said, he can't let his mother go or he'd be a corrupt king. He would be an unfair judge. I said, he had his mother tied to that whipping pole and his mother shaking him and she's scared. And when they're getting ready to use the whip on her, the king says, stop, not stop the punishment. But he walked over. He had his shirt taken off. He wrapped his arms around his mother and he took those 100 lashes, rolled it. And every time he was getting hit, he would scream and holler. And a tear would fall off and hit his mother on the shoulder. So you had the law that was followed up, that was carried out and fulfilled, but you had the compassion and mercy. And I tell the Muslims, that's what Jesus did for you. And that's what Jesus did for me. That's what the Jesus of the Injil did. Jesus is more than a prophet. He's prophet, priest, and king. And he's that shepherd that went ahead and did that to show how much he loved us and stuff. Well, that's a beautiful story. I know you've told that to me before. Yes. And I really love that story. Yes. Now, are, are people more apt after hearing that story to see the compassion of what Jesus did for them? Uh well, you know, you'll get different people, uh, Muslims who, who might question, well, we just believe that Jesus is a prophet. We don't believe that he went ahead and died on the cross here for 157 and 58. Uh, they have another, uh, Sarah that says that no sin, but no, no person of bear, of no bearer of burdens can bear the burdens of another. And I tell them, I'm, you're correct. But I said that Jesus had no burden. So he can go ahead and bear our burdens because he had no burdens. He bore our burdens. Uh, Muhammad's the only one that said that Jesus was not crucified on the cross. He came almost 600 years later. Only one person, but Mary, his mother was there. She was crying. All Jerusalem was crying. The disciples were there. There were eyewitnesses of seeing what happened. You had the Old Testament, like in Isaiah 53, the Zobir, uh, the Book of David. You had many prophecies. Zechariah, the prophet, talking about that Jesus, that his skin, that his hands would be pierced, that someone would betray him for 30 pieces of silver, which was Judas. You had these Prophecies that were almost a thousand years before the coming of Jesus, which were fulfilled. And I don't think the Romans happened to go ahead and pick up the, the Bible and said, hey, we, we, hey, the, the Bible says that we need to go ahead and uh, uh, crucify Jesus. We need to go ahead and uh, give him vinegar to drink. We need to go ahead and, and cast lots for his clothing. Uh, the Romans didn't read the Bible. They were pagans. But God, Yahweh, was so specific. And you had people who were non-Christians who went ahead and non-Muslims who from the first century, such as Tacitus, wrote about Jesus being crucified, who's a Roman senator. You had uh, Josephus wrote about Jesus being crucified, he even wrote about his resurrection. He was, he, and he wrote about the wailing wall that was left uh when Vespasian had Caius go ahead and destroy the temple and they left the waiting wall, the, the outer wall to show the might and power of Rome to the whole world. And you have the arches of Caius, which are here 2,000 years later, still here. And he recorded. You had uh, Pliny the Younger who recorded about Jesus being crucified. You had, And they were hostile witnesses, not friendly witnesses. 
You had Lucian Samsola from the first century. Four times you wrote about Jesus being crucified in his writings and stuff. But he talked about how gullible the Christians were. And they had a sage named Jesus who they went ahead and worshipped and stuff. So you had uh, Suetonius who wrote about Jesus being crucified. So you had outside witnesses who wrote about the historical thing about Jesus being crucified under Pontius Pilate. And there were non-Christians and there were hostile witnesses, not friendly witnesses. So you have history. And I had one lady tell me one time it was a Muslim. Well, they're mortals. You can't go ahead and trust anything. They said, I said, Muhammad's a moral. How can you go ahead and trust him? I said, Muhammad went ahead and sinned. Surah uh, 40, verse 55, he went ahead and sinned. Surah 42, 8, it says he sinned. Surah 47, 19 says he sinned. But Surah 19, 19 says that Jesus is Zakia. It says that Jesus is pure and holy. But even before the Quran came out, in Hebrews 4, 15, 1 Peter 2, 22, says that Jesus is pure, holy, and without sin. And the Sahid al-Bahari, as Muhammad went ahead and said that all people, when they're born, are touched by Satan. All, all babies are touched by Satan, and that's why they cry. But he says that Satan can't touch Jesus at all. So Jesus is more than a prophet. He's prophet, priest, and king. Jesus went ahead. We don't elevate him and make him God. God went ahead, and he stepped into his creation. When I talk to a Muslim I go ahead and tell them that, uh, for you can see, we don't believe that Jesus was Allah. We don't believe he's a physical son of God. That there's a, that God, when you had God, you had Mary, they had sex, and then they went ahead and produced a, a son that way. We don't believe that's blasphemy. That's no place in the Bible at all. Jesus is virgin born, as it mentions in the Quran. But before the Quran, it's mentioned in the Bible, and, it, and it's mentioned in the Gospels of Matthew, Luke, and it's also mentioned in uh, Isaiah 7, 14, 700 years before Jesus came. It mentions that Amma, the, uh, that a lady would go ahead and that she would be a virgin and bore a son. But uh, the way that... If you're a Muslim, the way that we go ahead and see Jesus is this way, though. Uh, I'd like to go ahead and compare it with the Quran. You believe, you have the heavenly Quran. Surah 43, 1 through 3. Surah 85, 22 is the Amab Katib. It's the mother of all books. So you have a heavenly Quran. And you had the Quran Tanzil that went ahead and came down. The Quran is the words of Allah, and the Quran is one with Allah. If anybody was to separate the Quran from Allah, they would go ahead and mutilate because it's one with him. It's his words and it's one with Allah. And the way that as, as a Muslim that you can see the way that we see Jesus, we believe that Jesus are the very words of God, of Yahweh, that went ahead and came down and took human flesh. And John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And then one fourteen says that the word became flesh. So Jesus are the very words of God. They're in human flesh, so he's one with God. And that's the way that we go ahead and see Jesus. So, Greg, would you speak to the person out there, the Muslim out there that might be listening, as to how how um, how you feel about them and what you would say for them to come to know Jesus sure. as their Savior. Uh, for, for the Muslim that's out there, I'd just like to go ahead and tell you that I care about you. Uh, I, I love sharing with Muslims, uh, but as long as you're a Muslim, you will never, ever, ever know, no matter how much vodka you do, whether you're going to go ahead and enter Jannah. Us as Christians, when you commit a sin, a sin brings shame and dishonor. It's not something small, it's something large. And it brings shame and dishonor. And the God of the Bible went ahead and had a remedy. He had, he sent his lamb down to die for your sins. It's not based, well, all I have to do is just go ahead and repent. No, there's a separation. Isaiah 64, 6 says that our sins are as filthy rags. That sin separates us from God. The message that came is not Tahid from all the prophets. The word Tahid is no place in the Quran. It's no place. You can't use Sirah 112, uh, 1 or uh, Sirah 112. It's, that's aha. It says Allah is one, but one what? But the message that all the prophets bought was atonement. Except for one, and that's Muhammad. 
but all of them taught about the coming of Messiah. Jesus is called Messiah, called Christ in Surah 345. But what does it mean when he's called Christ? The, it means that he's the anointed one, the Messiah who went ahead and sacrificed his life to go ahead and show how much he loved us. The Jesus of the Quran is not the Jesus who came almost 600 years later in, in the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is not the Jesus of the Quran. The Bible, you can go ahead and trust, my friend. And more important, you can trust the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible loves you. Thank you so much. So if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, you want to leave your past behind, you want to apologize and ask for forgiveness for your sins. And like he said, it's it. the sin has separated us from God, but God made a way for us to reconnect with him. And that is he sent his son to die on the cross for you. If you would like to accept Jesus as your Savior today, follow me in a simple prayer and mean it with your heart and agree that you're going to leave the past behind you. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins of the past, present, and future. Lord, without you, I can do nothing. Help me, Jesus, to walk this walk with you. I want to follow you just like the disciples did as they dropped their nets, as, as Matthew left his booth behind him, that tax booth, and raced over to Jesus. I want to do that today and follow you, Lord. Be my Lord and Savior today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com, or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.